Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Um, and so as you're turning over to John chapter, uh, John chapter 20, I just want to ask you to uh, turn to your neighbor and say to your neighbor on either side, say to your neighbor, God sees you. You don't have to whisper it. It's church, right? That's okay. You don't have to whisper it. So turn to your other neighbor and say, God sees you. Yeah. You know, I think one of the most amazing things that we can experience, and it's important for us to hear, is that God sees us. God sees you. It doesn't matter what we've been through in life. It doesn't matter what we have done in life. It doesn't matter the victories we've experienced. It doesn't matter the heartaches that we've experienced. The thing that every one of us has to know and understand is that God sees us. The same God who came and wrapped on flesh and spent time here in earth and then was crucified, they buried him, and then he arose to defeat sin and death. The same God that we celebrate here on Easter morning is the same God that sees us. And you know, if we would be honest with ourselves and take a look at the world, I know that every one of us have gone through so many different things. And you may have come here this morning and you may have carried a lot of baggage with you from just the stuff of life that we have to go through, of just life in and of itself. Some things are decisions that we've made, and some things are decisions that other people have made that we've then experienced that just weighs us down and weighs heavy on us. Some may be from us creating the circumstance, and some may just be from life's circumstances itself. But despite all of that stuff, it's important to know that God sees you. The God who was resurrected is the same God that sees you. Pastor Morgan did an amazing, amazing job preaching last Sunday. Just a a bold, powerful message that we needed to hear as a congregation. I'm thankful that despite being sick, Pastor Morgan stepped up and uh, uh, shared what the Lord had laid on his heart. We're going to pray for Pastor Morgan. I ask you to continue praying for Pastor Morgan as he's traveling back, or he's back in Kentucky to be with his family from the loss of his nephew, Um, However, as I was home uh, last week, uh, and the week before that, rather, uh, getting well and letting my body recuperate, I had lost my voice, I had uh, sickness, and uh, sitting at home with nobody to talk to, and even if I wanted to talk, I couldn't talk because my voice would come and go. Um, I watched uh, a good bit of TV, I studied, uh, spent some time in the Word, but as I was as I was watching television, and I'd flip through some news channels because uh, you can only watch um, The Price is Right so many times, right? Uh, I'd watched, it seemed like everything there was to watch on Netflix, and I, I was done with that. And so 
I turned on the news and flipped through some news channels. And, and I have to, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if you've, you've done that, but I just got so depressed just watching the news just a little bit. It weighed heavy on my heart, um, the, the shooting that took place uh, at a school in uh, Nashville. And then in just in watching the news of the day, it was just so depressing, and I had to turn it off. And then I'd turn it back on a little bit later on, thinking, oh, there's going to be something else on. But it was just so depressing sitting there watching the news. And as I got to thinking about this Sunday and the victory that we have in Jesus Christ, I went back and I turned the news on again and watched a good bit of the news. And as I was watching the news, I thought there is no victory in anything that they are actually sharing on the news. I didn't, I didn't find any victory there. And so then I uh, got online and I read a couple of different newspapers, three or four different newspapers. And as I was looking, just scanning the headlines in the newspapers that I was reading, the Daytona newspaper, the Orlando newspaper, I read the Jacksonville newspaper, and I read the Miami uh, newspaper, and then I, um, I read a couple of things from the, the Tampa Bay Times. And just in scanning those headlines, not even opening any of them up, I thought there's no victory in any of these headlines. And just for a few minutes, it was as if a fear was grasping me, just a, just a real fear of getting down and looking at the news and in reading through all of the headlines. And then it hit me. You know, it's really not any different despite where we live today and the technologies and the advances in those technologies that we have today than it was in Jesus' day as well. The move of the enemy is to cripple us with fear. That's the way that the enemy works. And Jesus came and lived in this life to not only deal with the sin problem and to not only deal with death that was a consequence of sin, but to give us victory. And it's important for us to know that God sees us now and absolutely he's gone to prepare a place for us so that we'll spend eternity in victory with him. But victory is not held for eternity, but victory is something that we can experience right here and right now. And a part of the celebration that we have to celebrate with the empty tomb is the victory that Jesus actually extended to us to then defeat the fear that the enemy brings into our lives. And whenever we see some of the headlines and whenever we see some of the news that gets us fearful and it makes us depressed or isolates us or brings a panic into our life, we have to call out the work of the enemy and say, I'm not going to dive into what the enemy's doing, but instead I'm going to live in the victory that comes that we experience because of the empty tomb. Victory is ours. There's an old hymn that simply says, victory is mine. Victory is mine. And we have to let that be the cry of our heart despite what the headlines say and despite what the news say and despite what the pundits and the politicians and all of the other people would want to share in our lives. We are not in that kingdom. Instead, we come from the kingdom of the empty tomb that gives us victory over fear, over panic, and over even death itself. This is the message of Easter, and this is the song that carries on out of the empty tomb that is even still being sung in our lives today. But as I said, it's really not a lot different from Jesus' day when the disciples were there after the empty tomb. It's not a lot 
different than when the disciples had gone through, if you will, the Jerusalem times and seen the headline, Jesus sentenced to death. And then the headline, Jesus placed in the tomb. Jesus finally defeated. And this thief, this liar, this lunatic, if you will, has finally been silenced. And in John chapter 20, if we could see a little addition of what's going on, you actually can kind of read into what's happening here. Now in John chapter 20, it's the celebration and the story of the resurrection. So I want to read John chapter 20, and then we're going to pause, because I want to take a look at this morning what was going on in the lives of the disciples. Whenever they had finally killed Jesus, what was happening? What were the, what were the disciples experiencing? The people that had spent um, about three years or so with Jesus, what was going on in their hearts? In John chapter 20, John says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the ones that Jesus, the one that Jesus loved. And, he, and she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Now, you see what's happening here with Mary, who's standing outside the tomb crying, crying, still thinking, hey, they've, they've stolen Jesus' body, the one that we love, the one who said he was God, the one who came to defeat the work of the enemy. He's not here anymore. And so imagine the emotion and imagine all that was going through Mary's mind and Peter's mind and John's mind when they got to the tomb on that day realizing that Jesus wasn't there any longer. Verse 10, we read, Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Verse 11, As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white. Here's where things begin to change. They were seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who, it is, who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, 
I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went, into the disciple, went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. But I want you to watch, I want you to hear, and I want you to grasp what's happening here in the next two verses. Verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. The passage here in John chapter 20 is a passage that actually begins in darkness Before the sun had come up, John actually tells us that Mary actually went to the tomb, and there she was going to take care of the the ritual, the routine that she had to take care of with Jesus' body. And so this passage of Scripture begins in in darkness, in pain, in suffering, and really in isolation that Mary was here going to actually take care of the routine that was here. And as I read this passage of Scripture and prayed over it, uh, thinking about today, one of the things that hit me, how many times... Are we, do we feel like that we're living in darkness? Think about that for yourself for just a second. How, how many, how often, how many times do you feel like you're just in isolation? It's just you, you're living in darkness, and you're shielded, and the world is taking place, the world is revolving, things are still going 100 miles around you, and it seems like sometimes that you're just living in darkness, and you're getting up, and you're living life, you're coming home, you're doing whatever you have to do, you're going to bed, and you're just getting up, and you're going through the actual routine of life. I think if we would be honest with ourselves... And if we would come clean with ourselves this morning, there are a lot of times in every one of our lives that it just feels like we get caught up in this routine of life. We go to work, we get a paycheck, we pay our bills. We go to work, we get a paycheck, we pay our bills. We go through whatever it is that we have to go through in life. We go through the routine and it just keeps going and going and going. Sometimes it feels like, I think if we would be honest with ourselves, that we're just in this hamster ball, right? And you're just going and going and going and everything just keeps going all around and all around. I really honestly believe that that's a little bit of what was taking place in Mary's life as she got up before the sun was coming up to actually go to the tomb. It was just the routine. It was just the mundane of life. This is what had to actually be done. But it was in this moment, John actually tells us, that God saw Mary. Now, Mary didn't see him. She laid eyes on him. She had a conversation with him. But it wasn't until towards the end of that conversation that the God who saw her, she actually saw herself. It's important for you to know that God sees you, as I said when I first came up this morning. But it's also important for you to know that even in the mundane, even in the ritual of life, even in just that routine of getting up and doing our job, God is still present in those moments. God is still with you in those moments. And despite the pain of life itself, just the way that Mary was experiencing here, when she was standing there crying, thinking, hey, they've stolen Jesus' body, that I come to do the ritual, the routine, exactly what I had to do, and they've taken him away. And so she was experiencing this loss. She was experiencing this heartache, certainly confused and helpless, and probably in shock as well, that things weren't going the way that she had actually planned those things to go. They had dropped everything in their life to follow Jesus, not just 
the 12 disciples, but the dozens of other people just like Mary. They gave up their jobs. They walked away from their family. They walked away from everything they had to follow Jesus. And then now he's gone. They've killed him. They put him in the tomb. And now he's gone. And these are the emotions that they're actually dealing with here. Can you imagine the darkness in this moment that they're experiencing? Can you imagine the pain, the heartache that not just Mary, but all of the disciples were experiencing in this moment? That where they placed Jesus, there's not much more final than death. But where they had finally placed him, his final resting place, and now they come back and he's actually gone? Can you imagine what that pain was like for them? Perhaps some of you can experience that pain this morning. Perhaps you're carrying a heavy burden with you this morning that is unimaginable in your life, that you couldn't comprehend and you never would have planned for your life. You still have to know this morning Despite that pain and despite whatever that heartache may be, God sees you. And if you'll pause for just a moment this morning, you can also see him the way that Mary did. And does it take away the pain? No, it doesn't. Does it erase the heartache that we have in our life? No, it doesn't. But I promise you, somehow, in some miraculous way that only God can comprehend and only God can orchestrate, that in the pain and in the heartache and in the heaviness of life itself, you can still experience victory over that circumstance if you will see God the same way that he sees you. But you probably think, how is it that I can celebrate the resurrection while things in my life are a mess? Or how is it that I can celebrate the victory of the empty tomb when there doesn't seem like a whole lot of victory in my life? On that first Easter morning, Mary stood here pouring out her heart, weeping, crying, I'm certain sobbing, that the God who came in the flesh was now gone, leaving hopelessness. But it wasn't just the case for Mary. If you'll take a look at John chapter 20, verse 19, this one verse blows my mind. This verse tells us that the disciples spent that first morning behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. John says it this way, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, for fear of the Jews. Now, some had already been told. Now, remember, Peter and John went to the tomb and they experienced the empty tomb. But even these two came back and they're hiding behind a locked door. They had spent three, three and a half or so years with Jesus. And in that time, Jesus had actually laid out the plan of what was going to happen in his life. That at the end of his life, he was going to be crucified, what he came to do. And then in that moment, he was going to take care of the sin debt that every single one of us actually owed. They were going to place him in the tomb, but Jesus had told them that he would arise victorious over the consequence of sin, which was death. Death. 
But here, when it finally happens, the disciples are not celebrating, but they're hiding behind a locked door, fearing the Jews of what was going to happen to them. Now, I believe that if I were in the same situation, I might do the exact same thing. And probably, if we would be honest, we would probably do the same. Here, the Jews who had cried out to crucify Jesus, they wanted him killed. They turned on Jesus in less than a week and said, we demand his life. Those are the Jews that the 11 disciples are now hiding from, behind locked doors, fearing them, fearing for their own life. It's apparent here that the fear in John chapter 20 is actually dominating them, not celebrating the victory, but that fear has crippled, has paralyzed them, that they're now in hiding. But the best part about this passage of Scripture is it doesn't stop with the Jews hiding behind a locked door in verse 19. That verse keeps going, and then we get the blessing of verse 20. So follow with me here. We'll start halfway through verse 19. So the disciples are hiding behind the locked door for fear of the Jews. The last part of verse 19 says this. Jesus came and stood among them. You know what? Jesus came to them and he said, I see you. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like a game of hide and seek, right? (laughs) The disciples are hiding. Jesus totally ignores the locked door and shows up on the other side of the door, and he stands among them, and this is what he says, peace be with you. You see, in the emotion of the moment, and in the pain and the suffering of the moment, Jesus knew that the disciples in the flesh, despite seeing the miracles that Jesus had worked, despite walking on water the way that Peter did, despite seeing the dead come back to life and everything that they had experienced for those three to three and a half years, the disciples still needed to hear that Jesus, God in the flesh, saw them. And he shows up, skipping the locked door, and he says, peace, peace be with you. I think this morning, we need to take those words that Jesus said to the disciples in the midst of a world that has gone crazy so that we can experience the peace the way that the disciples said. You know, watching the news, the way that I watch the news... It crippled me in fear. I have two daughters, and all I could think is, what is the world going to be like for my two daughters? What is the country going to be like for my two daughters? And we've made a country that we can't even disagree respectfully with each other anymore without having to try to take out the other party. Do you know what we need? We need Jesus to walk through those locked doors and say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. You see, the Jews were, the disciples were hiding from the Jews. They were hiding from the leaders of their day. And Jesus said, I don't want you to focus on them. Instead, I want you to focus on the victory that comes through the empty tomb. I want you to focus on who God has made you to be so that you can live and achieve the victory in every area of your life. And so Jesus says in verse 19, peace 
be with you. And watch what happens in verse 20. Now remember, verse 19, the disciples are hiding behind a locked door. Jesus comes through the locked door, shows up to them, and he says, hey, I see you guys. I know you're hiding. I see you. He says, peace be with you. And watch what happens in verse 20. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So here's what happens. Jesus shows up. He said, I see you guys. I see the pain that you're going through. I see the anxiety that you have because of what has just happened three days ago. I see that you have been crippled in fear. You've been immobilized. I see you. Now, I want you to see me so that you can experience my peace and you can experience my victory. Listen, this is not just something that was available to the disciples, but it is something that is available to us right here in 2023. We can set all of the junk of this world aside. We can set all of the pain, the hurtful moments, all of the stuff that is immobilizing us in our life, set it aside for just a few moments and let the God of the universe see you so you can see him so that you can experience the victory that only comes in relationship with him. This is the promise. This is the promise of Easter. Not that Jesus would go prepare a place for us that we could experience this in heaven and it's reserved for us in heaven, but we would be able to experience it in the here and in the now. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. Paul says there's this power that we can have because we're in relationship with Jesus. To paraphrase it and put it into my words, there's this power, this incredible greatness of power that's available for us for the God who sees us if we will just see him. Paul goes on to say, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The power that caused Jesus' heart to come back to life and start beating again. The power that caused the lungs of Jesus to begin taking breath again. The power that caused Jesus to get up and walk out of the tomb is the same power that we have available to us as his children. This is the promise of Easter for us. This is the hope of Easter for us that what the world is placing into our lives to immobilize us, to cripple us, to cause us to be paralyzed in fear has no power over us because this incredible great power is the same power, the power of God is the same power that was there on the first Easter morning and is the same power that causes us to be able to live life every single day if you will only look to him. It's available to you. It's available to you. But you know, it's like being hungry. If you were hungry and I took you to the Golden Corral, which I love, I'm a little sad the one in Port Orange is closing, but it's neither here nor there. If you were hungry, 
and I took you to the golden corral, it would be your choice to eat. You could make as many plates as you want because they don't restrict you at the golden corral. You can get steak 50 times as you want to because it's there and it's available. But here's the deal. There's no waitress that's going to bring it to you. There's nobody that's going to come and put the food on your fork and put it into your mouth. It's there and it's available. All you have to do is show up and take the first step. And it's the same for this power that comes in relationship with Jesus. Now, it was not available until Jesus was crucified And it was not available until he conquered death and came back to life. He said in verse 21, here, receive the Holy Spirit. And they then began this next journey that we see fulfilled in the book of Acts, where they were waiting on the Holy Spirit, and then the power was available to them. Jesus gave you access to this power. All you have to do is show up at the buffet and make a plate. And so the power is here for you. All you have to do is get plugged into that power so that the hurt and the pain that we go through, not removed, not erased, it doesn't cripple us or immobilize us any longer. Instead, the power that we have through Jesus Christ enables us to be sustained through those moments so that we then are not taken out of the game. Now, the disciples here in John chapter 20 were hiding because the enemy was ready to take them out of the game. The enemy was ready to stop them, and they were buying into the lies of the enemy, hiding behind locked doors. But the God who sees them showed up, and he said, hey, you have Power, peace, peace, he said. Peace be with you. You know what happened? Jesus didn't care about the locked doors. He didn't care about the locked doors. He walked into the situation and he said, I'm going to cause peace in every area of your life. I'm going to cause peace despite what we've just been through in your life. You know, there is no area of your life where God can't bring peace. I want you to hear that this morning because you need to hear that. There is no area of your life where God can't bring peace. He does it everywhere. There is no place in your life and no depth of your being that Jesus can't overcome if, if, You allow him the opportunity. But the choice is up to us. It's ours. So what doors do you have locked in your life this morning that you're hiding behind? What doors do you have that you came into this place this morning? You came into this place this morning and you said, yeah, it's Easter. We better go to church. We've got to go to church. Somebody invited you or you go to church every Sunday or whatever reason. You just said, we've got to go to church this morning. Yeah, I've got some doors in my life that I'm locking. I'm going to hang on to those doors. I'm going to hide behind those doors. And just for a few minutes this morning, we're going to do the Easter thing, right? 
We're going to get everybody together. We're going to go see people. Maybe we're going to gather together a little later on today, have, have a meal. We're going to get back in the hamster wheel and we're going to go back through the routines of life. We're going to be living that life over and over and over and over and over and over again. What, what doors do you have in your life that you're hiding behind the way the disciples were in John chapter 20, verse 19? Here's what you have to know. Hide behind the door if you want. Jesus doesn't care about the door. He's coming because he sees you. He's coming through the door because he sees you. He's walking through the locked door that you thought, I'm keeping everybody out behind this door. It's just going to be me and the pain and the hurt and the junk of my life. I'm locking the door. I'm throwing away the key and nobody's coming through that door. (laughs) You don't know the power of a resurrected king who doesn't care about the locked doors. He shows up and he says, peace, peace. You see, he sees you. He sees you. Do you see him? Do you see him? John chapter 20, verse 20. I want to ask you to write that down. Hang on to it this week. Write it out. Text yourself. Email yourself. Write it on a post-it note. Write it on a piece of paper. Put it on the mirror in your bathroom. Put it on the dash of your car. Put it in, uh, put it in the, uh, on your desk at work. Put it somewhere that you will see it. Because it's John chapter 20 where we finally get to see what happens when the disciples see Jesus. The last part of John 20, 20, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You see what happens when you see him the way that he sees you? You don't have to hide behind a locked door anymore. You don't have to lock away those private parts of your life that are causing hurt and pain and isolation and despair. You don't have to to hide behind any of that anymore. Because when you see Jesus and you see the resurrected Savior, your soul can become overjoyed. And all of a sudden, the pain, oh, it's still there. The pain doesn't matter anymore because your soul becomes overjoyed that the God who died for you sees you and speaks peace behind those locked doors of your life. All of the sudden, when you see him the way that he sees you, the despair, the hopelessness, as the hymn writer says, they grow strangely dim because you're overjoyed because you've seen the God that sees you. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.